Hey, what's going on? This is BTBT, and we are back at it again with episode 46, coming at you from Gunhill Brewery in the Boogie Down Bronx. Co-owner Dave Lopez returns to the show to talk to us about the history and philosophy of Gunhill and drop some BTBT exclusives along the way. It's another good episode that you don't want to miss. Before we get to this week's show, don't forget to check out the BTBT store at beertodaybeertomorrow.com. We got custom logo glassware and shirts. The perfect pour for the perfect beer needs the perfect glass. Get your 16-ounce can-style logo glassware today. We also have BTBT custom logo shirts. If you want to be styling and profiling, grab your shirt right away. All proceeds go towards making this show along with the content we bring you bigger, better, and more robust. Visit the BTBT store at beertodaybeertomorrow.com and support the Craft Beer Odyssey today. Now, let's start the show. Cheers. Hey, what's going on? This is Beer Today, Beer Tomorrow. Very excited to be here at Gunhill Brewery located at 3227 Laconia Avenue in the Bronx. I've had uh, many Gunhill beers in the past, but this is my first official trip to the brewery and I really dig what Gunhill uh, is doing here. They've brought craft beer culture to a borough with not a lot of breweries, so big respect for that. Gunhill focuses on utilizing the best fresh local ingredients to create their handcrafted brews, and uh, we're going to be drinking quite a few of them today. Gentlemen, how how we feeling? Doing all right. Doing well. Same, same. Long trip here, but ready to go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Ready, ready to go. And uh, we'd like to welcome Dave Lopez back to the show, joining us a few episodes back. He was uh, on the uh, last day of summer uh, two-part show that we did. So Dave, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me. And thanks for coming up here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so back around 1810, New York State, they dominated the American brewing scene. It was home to the largest brewing industry in the country, over 400, 400 individual breweries, uh, one of the biggest hot producing regions in all of America, uh, and most throughout most of the 19th century. So what does it mean for you personally to be able to, to grow the New York craft beer revolution, so to speak, and specifically here in the Bronx? I mean, it means a lot to Kieran and I because um, we're both New Yorkers, born and bred. Um, I grew up in, in the city. My whole I lived there my whole life. Um, so being able to, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to, to start this brewery is just because at the time we were looking into this, there, there were really only five breweries in the city. And so we kind of looked at it as if, at the, and this was you know, five years ago, if, if San Diego has 84 breweries and New York City only has five, well, there's something wrong with that. Sure. So, you know, it, it, it meant it was like a no-brainer to us that we had to look into doing this, doing this. And then the Bronx was kind of a natural for us because Kieran was born in the Bronx. I went to school my whole life in the Bronx. Um, my grandfather actually went to high school around the corner from the brewery. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, and Kieran and I, we know each other from playing baseball together. And our team that we, we met on um, was based or is based in the Bronx. Very cool. So so just, just t- taking it to a little bit of a, a historical fact. So January 25th, 1777, there was a Revolutionary War battle that took place not too far from here. Um, so Gunhill Road used to be known as King Br- Kingsbridge Road uh, by early settlers because it led to the Kingsbridge and the Kingsbridge Settlement. 
Uh, and this was an important east-west thoroughfare for both sides, particularly for the Patriots, because it was one of the only crossings to Manhattan at the time. So during this famous battle, the British were pushing the Patriots east towards the river, while in retreat, a group of brave and quick-thinking soldiers, led by Captain Bryant of the artillery, dragged a big-ass cannon atop of a nearby hill, fired on the charging Brits, pushed them back, uh, and then the strategic position, uh, which ended up becoming known as, as Gun Hill, forced the Brits to retreat west and allowing the Patriots to escape. So, so tell us how and, and why that kind of influenced some of the things you do here at the brewery. Uh, so I am actually, I was actually a history major in college. And, same here, same here. And, and one of the things that I really wanted to do when we were coming up with the concept for the brewery was I, I really wanted this to be a, a New York-centric brewery. I wanted someone, I wanted it to be something where when people heard the name, maybe they didn't, if they were from out of state, it'd be one thing, but specifically in New York, if you hear the name, you want to be like, oh, that's New York. And also because we have a farm brewing license, so it was that was partially one of the reasons why we wanted to do it that way. And so we had a whole list of names digging back into history that we, we had on our short list, Gun Hill being one of them. And so when, when we actually got this particular space and we saw how close we actually were to Gun Hill Road, we were kind of like, okay, that's a sign that that has to be the winner. And so when you name something Gun Hill, you're naturally going to start looking back at the Revolutionary War. And so that just sort of lent itself to all of our branding and our imagery. And what we try and do is we try and use as much of the revolutionary, um, not culture, but sort of the revolutionary names, some of the general, the the genres that existed during there when we're talking about the names of our beers we try, we try and use patriotic um, symbols in any way that we can um, and obviously the, the cannon that you mentioned being up on, on that hill is one of the main symbols that we use in our in our branding very cool yeah and I, I dig a lot of the artwork on the cans it definitely you know when, when I first first saw the cans it made me think like revolutionary George Washington that was kind of like the vibe I got from them yeah I mean we a lot of the the fonts that we use it actually was inspired by the the fonts in uh, Thomas Paine's Common Sense. Okay. So the the main like if you see Gunhill Brewing Company our logo with the name listed there that font is is derived from that from that pamphlet. Very cool. Very cool. So um you you mentioned that you and Kieran you guys are the co-founders you guys met you said playing baseball it was the Thunderdogs, right? Back yep. in 2004? Yep. So so can you tell us a little bit about how you guys met and kind of how that relationship developed? Uh, so I was just finishing or had just finished my freshman year at college. And Kieran was one of the guys who started the team. And I was looking for a place to play in between my school years. And I was looking for – I had a summer internship, so I was looking for New York City leagues, and it just – looking for an 18 and over league that had college players in it and so i found this league called the westchester rockland wood bat league and there was only one new york city team so i sent them a message saying hey i'm looking to play and i went to this tryout and i they said they wanted me to play and then i met kieran and and uh well, before i joined the team and i'm not saying because i joined the team but before i joined the team they were not a very good team 
you turned the franchise around. Well, I've changed the culture. Changed the culture. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, Phil Jackson. And uh, <laughs> for the better, not for the not for worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, call it Phil Jackson from like the Bulls, Lakers, yeah. not Phil yeah. Jackson, oh. Knicks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I meant. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Take a pass on Phil Jackson next. Um, so, yeah. I try to forget that part. But well, yeah. No, but like you know, yeah. I, I, here I was a. It was a lot of guys that were a little bit older, so I was able to bring in like a bunch of guys that I played with in college, played against in college, against in high school. So I was able to sort of inject a little bit of youth in there. And so because I was from the area as well, I knew a lot of people that were playing in other schools that were in that were living or from the city. So he very quickly sort of saw that we were going to start getting a little bit better, and he kind of was like, "Listen, uh, you, I, I don't care. We went, we were out one night, and uh, he's like, I don't care what what it is, but like, I'll make you sign a piece of paper right now saying you're not going to go play for another team next summer. Like, you got to stay with us." And so he and I just sort of, ever since then, just sort of became friendly. And then what we would do is every summer we'd always talk about. This was obviously a couple years later. Now I'm working full time. And we would always talk during the summer about how much we disliked our jobs and how much we'd always wish we could start our own business. And, and the reality of it is that neither of us were really ever particularly creative enough to think about something that we could do or do better or, or some new concept. And then we had another teammate of ours who was a home brewer and he actually brewed all the beer for his wedding. And at the wedding I said to him like, hey, this is really good. Have you ever thought about trying to sell this or, or do do something full time with this? Because I, I would love to help out and be in, and and get you people interested, maybe investors, anything like that. I said if you ever decide you want to do it, give me a call, let me know. And about two years later, during a baseball season, he was no longer on the team, but it was during baseball season. He called. And he's like, I'm ready to to do this full time. So Kieran and I would start talking about it during the season and say like, what do you think? Maybe we should look into this. And we started doing research and it was like, wow, there's, this is a real, there's real potential here. And this is something that with our backgrounds, we think we could do a little differently than a lot of people because we don't have the, the brewing background per se, but like we have the, the business background. And can you tell us about right. your business background? Sure. So, so, um, I, I actually still work in, in finance. Um, so my what I, I do um, equity derivatives, um, sales and trading, and Kieran's background was in consulting. So we we kind of felt that from that angle, between the people we knew, the contacts we had, and just our, our professional experience, we would bring a different approach to the beer business from for for us. And then the original idea was to have this third guy that we knew be the brewer and handle everything. And we could never agree on how we were going to structure it. And so we agreed to go our separate ways. But Kieran and I were like, you know what? Let's go find someone who has real professional brewing experience. We'll bring him in. He'll handle all of the creative stuff and we'll handle all of the business stuff. And it'll, it'll be different. So we, we hired our first brewer that way, and, and um, he definitely brought a sense of legitimacy to us right out of the gates. And within six months of opening, we had won the gold medal for Void of Light at GABF. That's right, yeah. Um, so there was definitely that aspect that, that we would not or probably would not have had if we had gone with the original plan. 
So, so taking a step back, I, I know you, you mentioned that that you know the, the wedding did did influence you, but was, was there a specific moment where you guys were like, you know what, yeah, you know th- this this is this is what we want to do. We we want to open a brewery. Well, I think you know, uh, like I said, we were always looking for a way to sort of become our own bosses, and really, unless you unless you can do something better or you can create something new. There's, it's tough to, to start your own business, and so I think what 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 we thought was we were like we started doing research because of the because of this idea this concept, and uh, by by doing the research we realized that it was like okay there are all these breweries elsewhere there that are not here in the largest city in the world with the largest number of bars and restaurants just in the city like why not like what can we bring to the table that maybe other people don't have and you know at the time there were not that many brewery obviously it's different now because you're seeing more and more people move into the 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 brewery business that have come from other career paths but at the time there were not as many people that were coming with that sort of background and starting their own brewery so we felt that one of the things we were very confident of was that we could start this business, a very capital intensive business, we could start it with less money than some people might think you need and also run it very efficiently so that we could be making money and at, at, a, at a quicker pace um, so that we weren't in, in fear of truly failing that on an early at an early stage. Did you feel like you had more of a runway because you were one of the earlier entries essentially into the city you, you know uh, I think when we were starting up like when we were putting the business plan together and everything we definitely felt that way um, as we got cl- we, we kept getting delayed opening up which is a common theme here in, in New York um, and I yeah, think we talked to a lot of people that, that they got delayed yeah I mean you, you're, you're almost like you're not allowed to open unless you've been delayed because it's like part of joining the club is being delayed. <laughs> whether, whether it's like Con Edison or something like that. Um, by the time we, we finally opened up, there were, you know, we were part of a, of a brand new class of breweries that were coming in. So I think that that sort of, uh, the, the runway that we thought we had was not maybe, wasn't quite as big as we thought. But like even an additional four or five breweries, again, like I said, like you can't you can't compare what what San Diego is able to do or what Vermont's able to do, and then look at what happened here. Obviously, there are different dynamics here in New York City that you know you learn more as as you get into it. But like from a consumer standpoint, trying to look at starting this, you're like, I go to bars, I don't see New York beer in bars. Why is that the case? There's a lot of runway. Yeah. I mean, the saturation point is still years away, realistically. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know this is a, it's a different conversation, but I think that you know the, the the thing that everyone says, well, aren't you worried about there being too many breweries in New York City? And, and my response is always, until we see full taps of New York beer at the majority of bars in the five boroughs, we're not at a saturation point. Obviously, there's a different dynamic being in New York because everyone from other states wants to send their beer to New York. 
and there are so many transplanted out-of-staters here sure. that, that they can yeah. that they can support their previously local brewery or their hometown brewery. But um, you know, I think in, even in the last two years, we started to see even within transplanted New Yorkers such a big local movement that you know we, we still think there's so much more potential and room to, to move and, and get bigger. Okay. Now, now, when you were hiring a head brewer, what were you looking for? Uh, well, we've, we've gone through the process twice. Okay. So, I think when we went through it the first time, we were really looking for someone who we felt would come in, make a really quality product would be able to share our vision um, and also give us instant credibility in the sense that people would take us seriously when we walked in because being that Kieran and I were not quote unquote beer guys if we were walking in and trying to sell our product to a bar yeah we, we, we had connections at a lot of bars where we knew people but if, but if we if we were walking in to name your you know super crafty bar yeah we need we needed to be able to say here's our product and we're confident that you're not going to take a sip of it and like spit it out immediately and so that was something that was important so we were we were looking for a track record we were looking for um, a, a solid brewing experience because we had none okay well, like, well, so, so I asked because, like, Peter likes to talk about uh, philosophy a lot of times. And I think that's important, like, when, when we're looking into a beer. Um, and, and how much does, like, maybe your personal taste, like, factor into the beers you, that you guys make? So, one of the things that we do, again, because we do not, like... I can tell you about the beer making process. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and start proposing recipes or anything like that. And so, <laughs> yeah. and so, as a like result, be a sour or something well, no, like well, that. Like, or like say, yeah. you know, I think what about uh, your, you know, having hop additions at this point, this point, and that point. So, what, what we've what we've always done is 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 allowed our brewers to have cre- creative freedom to make the beers that that they want to make. Um, I think we had a little we, we, we allowed a little too much creative freedom at, at first and there wasn't enough collaboration in the sense that um, it became a little bit too much what our brewer wanted to do and not as much what was good for the, the brand and the yeah. business can you and, give an example or um, well you know for this is and, and I will say part of it is also we, we were very we may have given off a vibe that we were we, we wanted to be maybe cost conscious in certain ways but for the first two years we were in business we only used one strain of yeast so all, all of our beers had a general underlying taste that was somewhat similar and we weren't making anything that was uh, truly exciting to the market which again, I'm not saying you have to follow the leader and do what everybody else is doing, but you need to do what sells because if you 
you can make the best beer in the world. They could be in styles that nobody nobody wants to drink, and then the beer just sits in the cooler, and there's no money coming in, and now all of a sudden you're like, guess what? There's nothing. We can't pay for ingredients. We can't do this, and we didn't have we didn't have that problem, but it was kind of like we never had. It, it was like, yeah, Gunhill makes good beers, but they're very safe beers, and there's a place for them all, but like it's nothing that I need to have or I really want to have on tap. So, um, you, so you were like local and crafts, but you weren't really making a name for yourselves. You weren't trailblazing well, in the mar- in the local market. No, I mean, look, we like I said, we won a gold medal at GABF for Void of Light. Everyone knew that. Everyone wanted that beer. Any stout we made, everyone wanted. Um, but the other beers that we were making, they were. We have customers that come in here and they used to joke and say that they were kind of like old man beers in a certain way because they were very, very approachable, very balanced, very, very well made, um, but they didn't have a, a, any sort of sexy factor to it. You know, for, for the majority. So in, in two years, we made four, four different IPAs only. We made our flagship IPA, we made one double IPA, we made a black IPA, and then we made one uh, quote-unquote cool IPA, and the response to that beer was so great that we were kind of like, we don't have to do this all the time, but like, how about more than once? Yeah. And it it became a, a back and forth, and again, it was like, how about like this is this is what's sort of popular in the market right now? How about we try this? How about we try a saison? How about we try a sour? And it was, there was always pushback. And so I think our, our going back to your initial question, what do we look for when we're interviewing? When we were interviewing the second time around, we wanted someone that was going to be extremely collaborative. Someone that was in tune with what the market wanted what the consumer wanted because it's not about what he wants to drink it's not about what we want to drink it matters what you guys want to drink because if you guys don't like it you're not going to buy it and then we can't make more of it and so you know that that was a, a, a big thing obviously again brewing knowledge was important but it was also a real we want someone that had a real creativity um, and, and you know, to put it in perspective, when we interviewed Chris, our brewer now, he brought us three different beers that could not have been on, op- more, on more opposite ends of the spectrum for us to try. And all three of them were beers that we did not have in our repertoire at the time. And so like, if you, like what you see on draft here now we we really run. I mean, we're 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 a little stout heavy right now, which is actually kind of ironic. But um, not a problem at all. By I mean, the way, it's the winner, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like you know, we 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 have a wide range of beers on tap right now, and we have a we have an even wider range coming out in the in the coming months. So um, we're we're doing different things using different yeast strains trying different techniques and uh, there's a lot more 
openness now as, as a team. So I mean, I'm sure your schedule is completely just hectic and jam-packed, but on the occasions when you're not actually drinking your beer, I mean, who, what kind of brewers, especially locally, I mean, are there specific brewers that you like and anybody that's impressing you right now? Um, I, I try and sample as many of, of the local brewers as possible. I mean, I'm also, I'm the treasurer for the, for the Brewers Guild, so... Um, you know, I, I have to, I go out and I know a lot of these, I know everyone, I'm, I'm, I'm going and visiting them, I try and visit their, everyone's brewery. Um, in terms of like, who, who stuff I'm, I'm, I've had recently that I really like, um, there's a new place down in Brooklyn, the, the Randolph, yeah. they just opened up a brew pub there and they did a beer with Barrier, this Poppy Pilsner that was really, really good. Um, Shout out to Barrier. What else have I had recently? I'm trying to think that because I've actually more so than usual. I've been drinking a lot of our beer just because we've been making so much new stuff. Yeah, um, it's got to be exciting, right? I mean, oh, yeah, it's, it's it's always cool to to be able to. And then I, you know, I was I was off for a couple of weeks, so I had a lot of our stuff at at home. So it was just there. Um, what else have I had recently? We actually, I was just at Bridge and Tunnel on Tuesday night. Bushwick, let's get it. That's that, that that's my local brewery. Uh, Bridge and Tunnel is. Yeah. Um, Rich, shout out to Rich. Yeah, Rich, Rich is a yeah, good dude. We, shout we, out we to love Rich. Rich. Yeah. Yeah. So he he had a couple of. Uh, I actually had a pumpkin ale that he made, which is ironic because it's not. No one thinks pumpkin season now, but like now would be the time when people are making, when you actually get real pumpkins because this is after, right after the harvest. Yeah. Was that the pumpkin sour? No. That he had. No, okay. No, no, wow. No. Okay. He had something different. He had something different because I, I, I like his pumpkin sour. I think it was made. a pumpkin harvest ale. Okay. And actually, you know what I had that was really good? He had a uh, a coffee cream ale. That yeah, was great. Uh, I remember that one. Oh yeah. yeah. The, the, the switchblade. Um, yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Good. I had that. It was really really good. And I'm not a coffee drinker, and I really really like that beer. So it's like we go out of our way to mention him on every single podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He just his he just comes out. He he's a good guy. Rich is a good guy. Um, yeah. His story about how he built the brewery is just crazy. But um, uh, yeah. t- today's all about Gun Hill. So you know yeah, we'll, we we'll, we'll leave Rich for another yeah. another time. But um, so I, I'm curious. So how do you feel that 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 the whole getting into the canning game how that impacted your business? It's allowed us to get into a lot more places. I mean, I think you know right now we're distributed throughout the entire state of New York. Um, we, we started distributing in the in the late summer to Massachusetts, and what we just what we send to Massachusetts is only cans. Uh, we, we're starting this week. We're we're sending stuff to Rhode Island again, only cans. And we started last uh, this past November sending stuff to Connecticut, and and cans are a big component of that. And so it allows us it allows us to get in, get our beer in front of a lot more people. A lot easier to, to transport it. Um, it's definitely. I love it because I can bring stuff home, which obviously yeah. makes a big deal. But Absolutely. It, I, I think it. You know, we don't have people lining up to get cans, partially because we're not we're not trendy enough. I guess we're not cool enough for that. But also. Our location plays a big part of that, just yeah. where, where we are. Yeah, you guys are a, a bit hard to get to Yeah, if, if you're not a Bronx native. Or if you don't have a car. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, the Bronx, got, Bronx yeah. has like a weird transport. Even like if you're not directly off the train, no matter where you are in the Bronx, it's it's hard to get to. Yeah. 
Well, so so let me ask you, how hard is it to to? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that you 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 still have a job in Manhattan, and you have this brewery here. How hard is it to manage both at the same time? Well, I'm I'm very fortunate that my partner Kieran is here full time, and and that we have the same vision for the brewery, and that we think alike. Um, so so he handles a lot of the operational stuff and in, in the day to day stuff that goes on here. Um, he and I have an open line of communication. The nice thing about what I do for the brewery, which is, I know I oversee all the sales and distribution. I do all the the marketing, the PR. Um, I, you know, I, I do all the, I guess you'd say the 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 personal interfacing with the other breweries and all that. So, a lot of what I do, I can do from the computer. I can do from right. the phone. I can do after hours so that makes a big so you're not on your lunch breaks <laughs> like making phone calls um i don't get a lunch break so <laughs> if, I, if, I, if i have to make a phone call or something i might pretend like i have to walk walk around for a minute or two wow that's intense um, become, a, become a fake smoker basically well you know the thing is is that, is that the people that i work with a lot of them are actually um invested in the brewery so they know. So it's in their interest to let you take a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I've I've learned. You know, you learn when things are important and not important. Um, and so, if it's something that's really, really pressing, I'll just say, "Hey, can you cover me for a second? I gotta take this." Or, I, vice versa, I'll say to the person I'm that's calling, "Let me call you back after four o'clock, or let me do this. At, you know, or can I get get you back in a couple, in a little bit?" So. It's it's a little bit of time. It's a lot of time management. Um, it's a lot of multitasking. If you ask my wife, she would say that uh, you know I I she'd say I'd like to watch certain TV shows at home, but it's more that I am okay with her having them on because it allows me to sit at the computer and do what I need to do for the brewery so that they're <laughs> on in the background. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, any particular shows that are her favorite? Her favorite? Yeah. Uh, you name anything on Bravo, and it's her favorite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. okay. So I'm, I'm just real quick about the canning, since they're pushing hard on that. We were talking last show about uh, how crowlers are really, really hitting it hard at uh, Strong Rope. And I mean, I don't. It doesn't look like you guys have it here. I don't know about you. Have the you have a tap room as well, right? Well, we we, we had one. It was uh, we closed it for a few months because we had to move because we had some issues. We don't need to get into because uh, um, I don't want to say anything bad about anybody. Um, <laughs> but we're reopening in a new location in the next few weeks. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Is that a BTBT exclusive right there? Is that an exclusive? <laughs> well, I, I think the, the, the opening date is more of an exclusive. But people know that, that we're reopening that spot. I think a lot of people didn't know we closed the original one. But... Um, that was the Gunhill Tavern, right? Gunhill Tavern, yeah. So so Gunhill it will be Gunhill Tavern still and it's actually going to be in a more accessible spot of the Bronx, closer to Manhattan as well. Oh wow. Okay. And and one of the things nice. we, we will be doing is we will be actually doing some of our can releases there because it's it's a satellite so we literally can do everything that we can if we wanted to, we could brew beer there. Right. Um, right. we will not be, but uh, in terms of the crowler, we talked about it especially for here. We will not do it there. The biggest reason is Storage, right, um, right. You know the, the the growlers are one thing, and 
you know, we have a whole bunch of them up, up top there. But as we're, like you can see, we have a ton of kegs that we just got in. We've already got one tank in the tasting room here. We've, we've got two more tanks on the way that we're going to okay. have to find space for either in the back or something. So, so we're, we need to start getting creative in terms of storage space here. And having all the cans, needing another line of CO2 up there to sort of purge everything. Yeah. It's something that, that if we can make it work, we want to because I know everyone's having a lot of success with it and, and it's, it's, it's really popular. But, you know, one of the other things that, that we're always concerned about that Chris is concerned about is that people think of Crowler and then they go, they think, they assume it's like a can that they can sit on for a little while. And Crowler is a step above the growler, but you still need to drink it relatively quickly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you don't have to take it there. Right. You just get to take it home. Well, <laughs> you got to drink it in the sitting. You got to drink it relatively soon after you get it. Yeah. Right. And, and and but but not only that, like you don't want to let it sit for two months and then no. because then the, the worst thing that happens is that somebody comes, they have a good experience here, they take something home, they open it up, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, maybe I was, you know, I had a weird taste that day, and I thought I liked something that I didn't really because this is awful. Right. And then they're like, I'm never drinking Gun Hill again. So, I wonder, like, do you, would you put like a drink by date? Maybe that. I mean, that I mean might, just to like remind them, like this is a can, but let's be real, you're getting a growler at the end of the day. Yeah, that. I mean, that might that might be something to think about um, once we, if and when we start doing it. But I think that you know the biggest thing for us is just storage. The logistics of making it. Yeah. A thing. Yeah. 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 So, so shout out to Strong Rope. And our last show, while we were talking to them, their crowler machine actually broke in the middle of the show. Okay. It literally <laughs> yeah. broke in the middle of so the show. So this crazy, so. scary noise. It's like. Yeah, yeah, what's going on, man? <laughs> but so so now, now getting back, you talking about uh, opening the new location and, and, and canning. So so what is your production volume like here? So for 2017, we probably will f- we finish right around like 3,500 barrels. Okay. You you just said production volume all. You didn't say canning, right? You said yep. production. Production. Yeah, 3,500 yeah, yeah, yeah. barrels. Um, we anticipate for 2018 that um, it'll probably be closer in the neighborhood of about 8,000 barrels. Wow. Um, because so much of the additional beer that we were sending out in the market didn't come online until the very end of the year. Uh, so, and we've also, we had a couple of things at the beginning of last year that prevented us from having everything really streamlined so we've kind of hit we've hit our stride a little bit right now no hiccups like you know this is the first year that we haven't really had any knock on wood anything that that has impeded us in some way like whether it was disagreement with the brewer switching brewers a brewer getting injured and not being at work for a certain period of time. That happened? It did happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, we're in a good place now. So you where... guys kind of finally hitting the stride. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. Very, very, very cool. So now, so so how many how many beers do you have on tap here at the brewery? So we have um, we have fourteen draft lines. One of them is always um, a cider. Okay. That's not ours, obviously. Yeah. And then right now, just because we we had we've had this keg and we we want to 
do right by the other brewery that we of this keg. We, we have a guest tap on, um, but usually we try and keep 13 of our own beers on tap here. And and when you guys open the tavern, are you exclusively just going to have your beers? Are you going to have guest taps there as well? So at the at the previous incarnation of the tavern, we had 20 draft lines and we had 10 Gunhill beers and 10 guest taps. And of the 10 guest taps, two were ciders. Okay. What we found was that the majority of people were only drinking Gunhill beer because they're coming to Gunhill Tavern. To they drink Gunhill. Well, Gun yeah. right. I mean, part of the reason why we wanted to open that place was because, as we mentioned earlier, we're so we're relatively inaccessible here. And so even people in the Bronx, if you live in the South Bronx, there's no good way to get here by public transportation. You, no. So, so having, so we, we get, we had customers that, that were, we would call them loyal and regular, but they were regular once a month or regular whenever we'd have an event. We opened the tavern, now we're in their backyard and that once a month became once or twice a week. And so we're able to bring our beer now to people that want to experience it, but don't necessarily want to spend the whole day trekking up here or um, don't have the means to, to get up here because they don't want to pay for a cab to come up here because it's, it's expensive. So what we're going to do this time around also because the, the cooler space is going to be a little bit smaller, uh, we're going to have only eight lines at the tavern. Um, we'll keep a cider, so it'll be seven Gunhill beers, but then we're going to have cans down there and we'll have Gunhill cans, but we'll also have cans and bottles for other New York City and New York State breweries to drink on premise. Very cool. Very, Very nice. cool. So instead of, instead of doing it with the draft lines, we'll do it with, with bottles and cans and, you know, it'll take up a little bit less space than the kegs would have and, right, right. and they don't have as much... Uh, of, we don't have as many lines running through the place that we did. Now, let me ask you, um, what is your relation? I mean, for, as far as I know, there's only two breweries in, in the Bronx? Well, there is the Chelsea Brewery as well. Chelsea okay. Brewing Company is, is located in the Bronx. I mean, they're, I'm not really sure what their situation is right now. I know that they, uh, I think one of their investors forced them to file for bankruptcy. Oh my! Um, but they're still, they're still operational during that period. So, so there are three of us in the Bronx right now. Yeah. Three of you in the Bronx. So, uh, do you have any relation? Do you have any um, so interaction? Collaboration. Are we going to see a Bronx? With, with uh, you know. Bronx Brewery. Right. Not, <laughs> no, not, not, not particularly. Okay. Um, <laughs> It's a good answer. I didn't get, expect this reaction. Yeah, this is yeah. It's a good thing this is a podcast. know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm 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 cool with, with with a bunch of the guys at the Bronx Brewery. Um, I think that when when we first opened up, there was a little bit of animosity towards us because we did open the brewery in the Bronx before they did, and you know they, I think they disagreed with some of the, the, the marketing that we use behind that by saying that we were the first production brewery in the Bronx. Sure. Um, but you guys were. You were the first production microbrewery in the Bronx. It was a, yeah, it was a fact. I wasn't saying anything about anybody else. But, um, you know, I think we, have, we also have very different 
business models too. And sure. And I, I know that there's you know they started making some different stuff down there now than, than they did, but their focus was always on pale ales. Ours was was had been different, and there really wasn't anything that that naturally lent towards collaboration, I guess. Um, but we, we've we've hosted events here uh, where we we invite them to come up and, and have someone on site pouring their beer, selling their beer. So we you know we, we try and represent the Bronx as best as we can. But in terms of a of a collaboration, there hasn't been one to date. Fair enough. Fair enough. So now, do you guys have any? Um any new new brews in development? Any any upcoming canning releases you could talk about? Yeah, I, I, got, I got a I got a laundry list of them. Ah, let's hear it, man. Um, let's hear so it. So we actually we when you guys right before you guys first got here, we were actually just tasting it. But we we did a collaboration with a brewery down in Atlanta called Monday Night Brewing Company. Okay. So we did a a grisette with them, and the the base beer is going to be released next week. Okay. But the 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 main bulk of the batch is actually going into. They're in the back, so you can't see them here. But they're going into. No, no, actually, they're right here. They're going into um, these uh, Sauvignon Blanc barrels. Okay. Oh, so nice. they're going to be. So it's going to be aged in them for about uh, three or four months. And so we're going to have that. We're going to have that base beer come out in the next week. Um, we are going to be we're canning our Pilsner, our flagship Pilsner on Monday. We've done that before, but it's been a little while, so that'll be coming out in cans again. Uh, the following week, we're canning a Hoppy Belgian Triple. Really? That we did with Thin Man up in Buffalo. Okay. And we're Very also nice. canning our Milk Stout called Velvet Royale. And, and all that's that's up and coming, and that's going to be available at the brewery, and then also through distri- your distribution network. Yeah, but both of those beers, it'll be very limited distribution. The Pilsner will be wide distribution. The the other two will be limited because they were smaller batch sizes. Um, just they're smaller batch sizes compared to what we normally can. Right, right. Uh, and then we we have um, the next iteration of our roll call series will okay. be coming out shortly and then on january 20th so i guess next weekend we're That's next saturday right yeah we're 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 actually doing a chili cook-off here and we're going to be releasing bottles of some vintage beers um, of last year's barrel aged void of light and then also a coconut and cacao nib void of light Wow, that sounds really good. It does, sound, uh, really it does good. sound great. Both both yeah. are from both are from last year's batches, um, and then later towards beer week, we're going to be releasing this year's version of Barrel Age Void of Light in bottles, and also a maple bacon version of of the Void of Light. Wow, yeah, that was a laundry list. Guys got a lot of good uh, a lot of good stuff. Sounds like a lot of exciting things coming up. So what's one of your, I, I know this might be a very hard question to answer, but what's one of your favorite beers you guys are doing right now? My favorite beer that we're doing right now. You have to twist your arm. If you said I had to pick one beer to drink on tap right now, uh, it actually just went off, but it was Roll Call 7. Okay. 
Um, I, I before you guys came in, I did have the Epluribus Lupulin Double IPA. So that's another rotating series that we do. Yeah, yes. I like that beer a lot. Uh, me too. Um, very nice beer. Very nice. So I had that. But I my my favorite beer that's always available from us is our Divided Sky IPA, which you guys sampled. It's one of the. It was the actually not. It was the you had you had two IPAs in there, and it was the first IPA that you had. Yeah, I okay. think I I drank that. Oh, yeah. sorry guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fine. When when I first came here, that was the first beer that I that I gravitated towards as well. Where did the inspiration come from for that name, by the way? I like the name a lot, Divided Sky. Was there any specific reason, you know, behind the naming? So, it's funny because I asked that question. So, so when we name beers, a lot of times we'll give sort of guidelines to Chris, and then he comes up with it, and then we'll sort of maybe try and make a, you know, try and play off of that a little bit. Um, that beer was all Chris. And his explanation for that was that during the Revolutionary War, the country was sort of divided, and it's all under one sky. Okay. It's It's kind of a little bit of a stretch. But he's, but he's tying it into the theme. Sure, I like that. Exactly. I like that. Um, what we didn't know was that it's also the name of a fish song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did not know that either. So the either, next but story coming through, you got to make a lot of it, right? Well, actually, they just came through two weeks ago, and we had the beer at Madison Square Garden when they oh, were wow. when they were on when they were there. Perfect um, timing. Yeah, it, 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 I, perfect. <laughs> more, it was more to the point. It was perfect timing that we found out that that was a so. Yeah. So actually, that, that, that's interesting because I remember last time you were on the show, you were mentioning you guys were going to get into the garden. So are you guys now like can can you readily get? You can readily get. Rise Up Rye, okay. which is the beer that we did with the cast of the Broadway show Hamilton. Right, right. So you can get that there. That's in um, the, the New York craft beer stand on yeah. the main concourse. It's in some of the, the, the clubs, like the Delta Club. Um, and I forget a handful of others. So that they have that on draft and in cans at the Garden. So, so it, it just, just just briefly at a high level. So, how did that relationship come about with Hamilton? Which you guys were able to to kind of do the beer for that? I mean, I think that's so cool. How, how did that kind of come to fruition? Um, there's a group of guys called the Happy Hour Guys. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they they had this idea to put similar to how Oma Gang has does the Game of Thrones beers. Yep. They had this idea to, to put a because they're both happy hour guys, Mark and Jimmy are are Broadway actors. So they had the idea, they're like why has no one put the brewing community and the Broadway community together? What if we paired up a New York City brewery with a Broadway show to brew a one off beer? for charity and see how that went and so, and at the time we had been making a beer called uh, where is it up there might not be up there anymore well we were making a beer called Skyler's American Wheat okay and Skyler was the maiden name of Alexander Hamilton's wife 
and also the name of the first senator from New York, her father. And, and, and uh, Walter White's wife. Right, exactly. Yes. Although I don't, although I don't, I don't think that had any Revolutionary War significance. <laughs> <laughs> but the man was anti-system. It was clear the, the it connection. Was, right? It was in the Revolutionary War. Mrs. Mrs. Schuyler, the the ha- Hamilton Hamilton's wife's yep. mother, so Hamilton's mother-in-law, she had a wheat field and she burned her wheat field when the British were coming up state, rather right. than allow them to take over her crops. So we had a beer called Schuyler's American Wheat. One of the happy hour guys saw that and was like, wouldn't it be really cool? Like Gun Hill, it's a natural pairing with Hamilton. Wouldn't it be really cool if we could do that? So they called me and they said, this is what we're thinking about doing. Would you, if we get Hamilton on board, would you be interested? Fuck yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Of course. (laughs) Like, what's my downside here? Sure, why not? (laughs) Right, right. and so it was it was right before Hamilton really became Hamilton. And so they were very open to doing anything that sort of helped them get their name out in a different different way. And they also really liked the charity aspect of it because they actually a couple of cast members on the show had started um, uh, not a charity, but they started part of an organization that fun, that funneled into a charity. Uh, an orphanage called the Graham, Graham Wyndham. Wow. Did Lin-Manuel come through and spit bars? <laughs> Lin-Manuel did not come. <laughs> um, but he didn't come to the brew day. He didn't come to any of the meetings before. And he didn't come to the party that we had. But his alternate, who took over the role, who's actually, this is his last week performing, he was there for everything, and he was one of the, the main drivers behind the beer. And then at the actual release party that we had, the charity event, we had almost all of the cast there, which wow. is really cool. Everyone's cool. there drinking this beer. Um, so it was really cool, and I, you know, we, we still have contacts there. I, I actually went to one of their birthday parties a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. Um, nice. So it, it's it's definitely been a very good, we have a great relationship with the charity still. We still donate a portion of the proceeds to the charity. And now that it's it's in, it's still, it's, it's the only, I guess it's not the only independent, but it's the only New York beer sold at the show. Wow, um, this is up. Very and now cool. it's at Madison Square Garden, so now, now uh, cool. well, one of the questions we like to ask everybody is, well, I like to ask everybody is, when was the last time you had a commercial beer such as a Coors, a Bud? I'll give you a Paps. I'll throw, I'll throw a Paps up in there. Milwaukee Miller, Beast. Miller, Miller Genuine Miller. Drafts. <laughs> we ask this question to everybody. You know, I, I can't give you an exact date, but it wasn't that long ago. Uh, it was probably at a Jets game this year. Woof. Okay. Uh, Shout out to Robbie Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, usually, I like to try and do my drinking in the parking lot with my craft beers before the game. There you go. <laughs> but uh, this year, I was having a hard time getting myself motivated to tailgate before the games. <laughs> so I, I would, I would go you in. You got to tailgate to get through them this year. Yeah. Well. They were competitive for most of their home games, actually, which is all that I really wanted. I wanted them to be competitive and lose so they'd get a good draft pick. But yeah. typical, they were 
too competitive and they got a mediocre good Dra- draft pick. Right. Mediocre good draft pick. Might be more of the same next season. Eh, they got some talent there. Yeah, he's a Giants guy over here. We're, you know, Steelers. Steelers, oh, right. right? These yeah. are Pittsburgh okay. guys, right? Yeah, yeah Pittsburgh guys. All right. Yeah. In case our audience doesn't know that already, he's a, he's a Pittsburgh guy. We'll remind them. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for them to, to, to beat the Pats. So okay. I am too. I, I will say yeah, that. I'm I pulling, think most of America that. is at yeah. this stage. We, we got to get through the Jags first. You know, those Jag-offs. Yeah. But uh, actually, you know what? That's going to be a tough game. That's going to be a tough game. It is. I think if, if Antonio Brown's healthy or at least 75%, I think they'll, they'll be all right. They'll be all there right. There we go. There we go. Uh, Absolutely. But you know what? The last I had a I had a Bud Light a month ago at a Jets game because it was there and it was free. <laughs> okay. Those Fair those, are, those right. are good free reasons. Beer is always those, the tastiest yes. beer, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, so can you tell us uh, really quickly? So, what are the hours of operation here at the brewery? So it it's it's a it's a weird. So we're Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, we open at 2.30, and we stay open till 9 o'clock. Thursday and Friday, we open at 1, and we stay open till 11 on Thursdays and 12 o'clock on Fridays. Saturday and Sunday, we open at 12, and we're open 12 o'clock till 12 a.m. on Saturday and 10 p.m. on Sunday. Okay. All right. And uh, now, where can people go to find out more about Gun Hill? Uh, I always tell people following us on social media is usually a good start because we're pretty active on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, but our website, we have everything, gunhillbrewing.com. Um, those are probably the, the best venues to find it. Okay. And b- before I, I have my final question, I'll just open up Perry. Justin, you guys have any last questions for Dave here? No, no, I, I asked my uh, final question. Well, actually, I, you know... I asked this one que- time before, and I keep forgetting to ask it. Like, I'm a hip hop guy. Hip hop is about the beat. Like, you have anybody that you want to, like, you know, say some ill words to? Right now, we gotta give, you gotta give that platform. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing good can come from that. Okay, no, no, no not at all. Not <laughs> and 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 you base he basically gets the same response from <laughs> single. He tries. He's never got a response yeah. on that. But I mean, you know what? Props for trying, though. You yeah. Know? Hey, hey, you gotta try. You know, He's trying to stir some shit up. In yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, J- Justin, he used to do a hip hop podcast. Back, yeah. Way back when, so you know, it was a lot of yeah. beef going on there. Yeah, it's a lot of drama. Yeah. So, yeah. Perry, any 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 final part in words, part in questions? No, I'm just I'm actually I didn't get to make it to the old rendition of the tavern, I guess. So it's good to know it's coming back because I'm planning to check it out because I do want to head up to the Bronxbury at some point. And I was gonna make a day of it and see the rest of the the Bronx beer scene, if you will. But to be clear, so. you want to go to the, the best brewery in the Bronx, which is Gun Hill, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so my last thing—I mean, you, you've touched on it throughout—but my last thing is for you to leave the audience with just kind of what that Gun Hill philosophy uh, is. You know, what, what the Gun Hill—you know, what, what is Gun Hill all really all about that the audience should well, know? I think what we try and do with our beers is we want to make stuff that is approachable. We want to make stuff that you want to drink and that you can drink more than one of. And even even our higher ABV beers, we try and make it so that they don't knock you over so that you want to come back and have another one. So that that's, that's the overarching theme. I think um, 
we want to also be adaptable and we want to listen to what our consumers want and uh, what they don't want, really. Right. Very good. Very good. Um, I can honestly say, I mean, I've, I've had, like I said, at the start of the show, had several of your beers in, in the past. I've always really enjoyed them. You know, canned beers is how I really first got exposed to you guys. Um, and coming here for my first trip, I, I mean, I had a couple of beers I've had before. I've had several I've never had. I've enjoyed everything. Um, you know, for me, one of, uh, everything was really good. The double IPA was great. The the Desert Storm was... Desert was, Storm. D- d- I, I say it wrong every fucking but, but time. But that's, he's like, he's like you go into war, you drinking a beer. Yeah, I, <laughs> Perry corrected me on that before. The, I, yeah, I was I, like, I, come on, that's like a double pun. How are you fucking that yeah, up? I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking it up every single time. But anyway... That beer is is just is phenomenal. Um, uh, really well done. Really really enjoy it. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm glad BTBT. Thanks thanks for hosting us. Thanks for coming back on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, I mean all I can say is uh, is cheers to you. And we're looking forward to uh, all the good things you guys are going to be doing in the future, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Shout out to Dave Lopez and the whole Gun Hill crew. If you guys find yourself in and around the Bronx, definitely check them out. Show them some love. They got some fine brews on tap. Are you following the Craft Beer Odyssey? It's the best way to stay up to date on all the dopeness that BTBT is dropping. Follow Beer Today, Beer Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to the show on iTunes or Podbean. Your support means a lot, and we really appreciate it. Now, until next time, no matter where you are in the world, drink local, drink fresh, repeat. Cheers.